0: you look the same you look old well that happens actually what happened you lost a fight I don't remember trust me you lost Baelin's skull. So you do remember. That's good. Why? It means you still have a chance. A chance? To live. Tell me what's going on. I'm here to finish your training. little late for that. One is never too old to learn, Snips. Welcome everyone from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts... Carl Leclerc, and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 541, Ahsoka, parts 5 and 6, uh, part of the Thunder Quack podcast network i'm as always one of your hosts jason hunt and with me the chopper to my jason sundula we've got carl leclaire
1: oh i think you are you got your wires crossed bud i should be jason and you
0: should totally be chopper that's that's probably true (laughs) i'm gonna be the grumpy one who has to keep watch over you make sure you don't wander into too much trouble even (laughs) though i'm the one that's probably gonna kill somebody um
1: Uh, I, although, I guess if we are being honest, if there is a grumpy one between the two of us, unfortunately, I have to take that title. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, we'll flip man. a coin and we'll flop these rolls uh, depending on what the coin says. So, yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> well, we'll flip a whoopie whoopie and whoopee, see what happens. Achuba. Erps. boy? me? Sorry. <laughs>
1: Don't be uh, sorry. <laughs> we are yes, in the 25th we're anniversary of our Phantom conversation
0: Menace. about Ahsoka by Ta- you quoting the Phantom Menace. <laughs> uh, that's exactly what we're doing, Carl. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, so as we as we sit to record this tonight, we were just joking, Jason, before before recording. Of course, we did our first two episodes of the Ahsoka re- recap back in early December. And we just kind of sat on those episodes. Uh, you know, relaunched the podcast with Thunderquack in the middle of December. Super excited to be back into things and continuing through our Ahsoka rewatch series with parts five and six, highlighting some of our favorite moments from across those episodes. Um, Jason, these are some darn good episodes, uh, especially (laughs) episode five, Shadow Warrior. Uh, This one is... Oh boy, howdy. Is it a crowd pleaser? Um and I got to yeah. say before we even dive into to sharing some of our moments here, I was fortunate that they uh they were doing right they did screenings of this episode across movie theaters across the US, only obviously select cities got them. Luckily, Boston mm-hmm. got one. I was able to go with uh my good friends Ben and Greg and and their their two of their sons and Man, it was so fun watching this on the big screen. Um, I was also there with my at the time partner, so this this episode will forever be bittersweet to me because it was so fun <laughs> sharing that with somebody that i that I cared so much about. Um, but all the same, it did not it does not take away from how good this episode was. And Ugh. loved that this was the one they chose to screen on the big screen because. My goodness, so many things throughout this episode. I, I mean, just got so many cheers and uh, really, really was fortunate to be there, uh, with, with good it's, friends. And not,
0: not only are there just some fantastic moments in this episode, which of course we're going to talk about, but it's, I mean, the whole series is very cinematic, but this episode in mm-hmm. particular mm-hmm. is spectacularly cinematic just from a movie, a, a filmmaking perspective. So, yeah, it makes perfect sense that this was in the theater unfortunately the closest city to me was los angeles and that's like an eight hour drive so i was not going to go there just (laughs) for a a 50 minute episode of ahsoka um (laughs) but uh, i'm really glad you got to go and i would love to see this on the big screen someday somehow so
1: yeah it was awesome um well, let's dive into it, Jason. Let's let's give some of our favorite moments from across both of these episodes, starting with part five, Shadow Warrior. And uh, one of my moments comes early on in the episode, and it has to do with Jason and Hera. Now, I don't know if you have anything before that, so I don't want to... What is your first moment?
0: Uh, it, it, is this hearing the lightsabers? It sure is. That This is... My first moment. <laughs> well, then I so, acquiesce
1: to you, my friend. Uh, what? Wh- why did you choose a moment such as this?
0: Uh, it, it was just really special because, uh, first of all, obviously we get the, the the initial confrontation between Anakin and Ahsoka in the world between worlds, and they they start their saber fight there, and as they cut back to you know the the cliff top where where all of this went down. Um and we've got Hera and Hu Yang and Captain Taba trying to figure out what the search is going to be. The the sound editing telegraphs what we're going to get with Jason with the saber clashes continuing into the waves crashing um as we we cut into this sequence, which is just Beautiful sound design. Um, I have to say kudos to the, the sound designers on this. But uh, I loved the idea of seeing you know Jason being able to tap into his abilities with the Force, and uh, you know obviously Hera press the Force enough because obviously she knew Kanan, she knows Ahsoka, you know she's she's been around Jedi you know, for, you know, on and off of most of her life and, you know, especially her most recent life. And so when, when Jason is like, I, I hear something, I hear something. And she's like, what, what, listen, what, what am I listening for? The waves crashing? No. The lightsabers. And then Hera has to try and tune in a bit to whatever frequency Jason is listening to. Um, and she hears it. And I don't know if that's through the force or if it is subtly audible in the real world underneath the waves or whatever, but it's a really cool moment. Uh, obviously one just for Jason, I think it's great that he's, he's out there and he's sensing it. He's hearing it and he, he has an inkling as to what's going on. Uh, but then he's able to share that somehow. With with his mother, with Hera, and that she actually hears it, and she doesn't just have to take him on faith too. So, which I believe she would have, um, but she also hears it. So it's just a really, really cool scene, and I like, I really like the the dynamic between the two of them, and uh, the fact that Jason is the one who really gives them a reason to continue looking. And a more focused area to look for Ahsoka.
1: Mm. Yeah. (laughs) um, My goodness. I think the first thing that I also that stands out to me in this little moment is the use of the force theme. And I I use that music to bring Mm. us into the episode on purpose because it's one of the most beautiful renditions of the force theme. And what I love is also Jason clearly hears something. He he's recognizing something and when Hera kind of quiets Captain Tava down, I think what's really beautiful is Hera trusts like you were saying, Jason, she she really trusts Jason. She really understands that he has a deep connection to things that she doesn't have because it's something mm-hmm. he inherited from Kanan, his father Um And as she kind of stands there and, you know, the force theme swells, it's so beautiful. And then we get to hear in the sound, I mean, the sound design here is also very brilliant. Um, Yeah. And we hear those lightsabers clashing. And as the force theme swells, we see Hera start to smile as she also hears it. And, you know, I feel like there's so much in this episode that is, I think, meant to be left up for interpretation. And I think that's quite brilliant. Yes. And I don't know that there's a solid answer to this, but to me, Hera does in fact hear them. I've I've heard this conversation kind of batted around since the episode come out. Came out like, did Hera hear it? Did she not hear it? Um, and I think it's pretty. Cl- I think it's pretty clear that she does. And I think it's not so much that Hera particularly has a strong affinity for the Force, but I think it's her tremendous faith in her son and his aptitude for the Force kind of bleeds into her. Her ability to connect so deeply with her son, her 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 willingness to understand that he's capable of things she's not allows her to hear things through his ears. Right. Like we've often Mm -hmm. used the expression of I can see things through your eyes. Well, this is kind of different. It's a different sense. Jason hears this so audibly and Hera's. Trust and faith in her own son's abilities allows her to also hear it. I think it's really, really beautiful. And then she immediately jumps into action. And I love Captain Tate like, whoa, 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 wait, what's going on? And Hu Yang says K- his father, Kanan Jarrus yeah. was a Jedi. I was like, I I threw my fist up in the theater when I heard Kanan's <laughs> name on screen because you know, yeah. Jason, you and I both love this character. He's one of my favorite yes. Star Wars characters of all time. So, just hearing his name on on live action made me so freaking happy.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and I love also the fact
1: that Captain Tava just sort of like goes, oh, "Okay, yeah, okay." <laughs> he told all me right. it's it's such it's like this beautiful sick like this this outpouring of faith. Jason believes in what he hears. He believes in his abilities. Hera trusts him and believes in that. And Captain Tava believes in her. It's like the cycle of faith. It's so beautiful.
0: Yeah. And and I think my interpretation of this is that Jason is in tune with the force. And Hera is in tune with Jason, Mm. you know, in a way that only a mother can be. Um, And that is what allows her to hear what Jason hears that that bond between the two of them the 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 mother child bond that they have is what uh allows her to sort of dip into the force and hear what he's hearing i think mm. that's my interpretation of it yeah. at
1: least so yeah yeah i like it so. um what well, what what do you got queued up for yourself next from from this episode
0: uh mine is is uh Towards the end of of the Anakin Ahsoka stuff. So if you have stuff that's earlier on in, in their training, mm-hmm. go for it.
1: Yeah, uh, and I do. So <laughs> it's it's the initial Clone Wars flashback. Uh, you know so good. This is the Clone Wars. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Man, I, just, ugh, I love Hayden so much. I mean Seeing him back in the Obi-Wan series was incredible as it was. And and I think mm-hmm. Hayden Christensen as an actor has shown some tremendous growth between his appearances here and in the prequels. Now, granted, he's doing less, but I think I don't know if it's a combination of just the fact that he's matured as an actor and also maybe the directors are just better. I mean, we all know we all love George, but we also know that George is not a character director. He's not an actor's director. Um, And I think somebody like Deborah Cho Story
0: comes first, right? Not, not the action on screen.
1: Yeah. So I, I, I'm confident that Deborah Cho was able to get something just extra special for mannequin in clone wars. And I think Dave Filoni got the same thing uh, in this particular episode and in this, in this particular scene with this, this initial flashback and also shout out to Ariana Greenbolt for playing the young Ahsoka. I think yeah. I found her translation of Ahsoka so perfect. Uh, I mean, I like I like I've shared in a couple of these previous episodes, Jason. It took me a while to come around to Rosario as Ahsoka, and you know now that the whole season's complete, I can see where that was coming from. But mm-hmm. <laughs> Ariana was just so perfect. I I bought it from the the first second she she showed up. I'm like, wow this this young woman is definitely the young Ahsoka
0: that I met in the Clone Wars.
1: Um, and, and she
0: has a way to not only to, to connect the Clone Wars to Rosario, I think she's mm -hmm. a nice, provides a bit of a nice conduit there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, obviously after the writer's strike was resolved and, and the actors were finally able to start sharing all their things from behind the scenes, I thought it was really lovely. The, the little bit of a bond that Rosario and Ariana shared on set and Rosario was there cheering her on during the, during those things. And Ariana was also deeply studying what Rosario was doing. I just, I think it was really beautiful that these, these two, these two women were able to, to collaborate in such a beautiful way like that. Um, but she was just so convincing to me. And I think so much of this initial scene is about her trying to make sense of the clone war, right? It's, yeah, this is what she was trained for. She was trained to be a warrior and she really struggles with that still. and, uh, one of my, I mean, one of my favorite clips in this entire series is when she says to Anakin, "You know, our mistakes cost lives." Doesn't that bother you? And he says, "Of course it does." The way Hayden says that is, oh my, I don't know what it is about it, Jason, but it always like brings a tear to my eye. He just, this is the Anakin Skywalker that I love. He is the one who cares <laughs> deeply about these clone troopers. He cares deeply about this thing he's in, but he also really believes in this fight. Um, and obviously this is right. All of this stuff, all of this clone war stuff, like we are like we were saying here a minute ago, so much of this episode I think is meant to be open for interpretation. This is, this is the Dagobah yes. cave scene, but extended, right? You know, right. Wh- what does Luke face in the Dagobah cave, right? There's, I mean, there's all sorts of answers. This is even more profoundly true in that case. Um, I think what Ahsoka is working out here is the legacy that she has taken on from the Clone Wars and what it means for her to be trained as a Jedi, as a warrior. Um, mm-hmm. and, and what stands out to me here is that Anakin's actually really proud of the training he gave to Ahsoka. He's very proud of the fact that he he trained her to survive a war. And the line he says in this scene, too, is, is we must adjust to the times you know, he really believed in what he was doing. You know, we know now with hindsight that the Clone Wars was obviously just the machination of Palpatine to create the Empire. But in, uh-huh. the in, but in the immediacy of it, Anakin really believed in this and he really believed in what he was training Anakin to do. Or excuse me, in what he was training Ahsoka to do. And, and I think that's what comes across here is that Anakin is really pushing her to see that what it means to be a Jedi is kind of fluid, right? What it means to be a Jedi is dependent upon the times you find yourself in. And what he's trying to teach Ahsoka here in this early lesson is, I get that like she's exhausted. What if I don't want to fight anymore? Then you'll die. You know, it's it's not that the Clone Wars are still going on, but it's this sensibility that, you know, there's a part of Ahsoka that just kind of wants to step away, that wants to retreat from everything. And Anakin is saying, I taught you how to fight. I taught you how to be victorious, lean into that,
0: tell you how to survive. Exactly.
1: Um, and I think that's, what's so, so important about this, this initial lesson he's trying to give to her is that, you know, the desire to give up is, is not what he taught her. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, you know, and, 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 you know, they, they joke around about, you know, how teaching isn't always what it's cracked up to be. And it's clearly a pointing forward to the fact that she now does have a Padawan and it's it's frustrating and it's hard. Um, Right. But at the same time, you know, he taught her based on the times they found themselves in. And that's the same thing she can now do is is this idea that the Jedi have to be malleable, that they can't be stuck in stone and um yeah i love that that that's kind of the lesson that anakin is is holding on to there
0: yeah no there's some really good stuff and the clone wars stuff is just so good it was so wonderful to see that you know (laughs) my favorite animated series translated into the onto live action that way it was it was fantastic and and to sort of have that revisited um One of the other lessons that is taught, though, um, is exemplified in two moments, two specific moments. And this is this is the other thing that Ahsoka has is struggling with, you know, with this legacy, this legacy, of course, you know, that she was taught to be a warrior instead of to be a Jedi, you know, and and how she's trying to reconcile that. The other is the fact that she was taught by Anakin, who was Darth Vader. Mm. And we get that with the flashes of mm. Vader and it, we get, we get that twice mm-hmm. um, in this whole sequence. And and this is my, my next moment I wanted to talk about. Um, obviously we get at the end of uh, the, you know, after they're, they've had the rest um, after the fight. And then the fight is getting ready to start back up and Anakin starts marching back into the fray and Ahsoka watches him, you know, storming into the dust and the smoke and, you know, with the explosions, he turns into Vader for a moment and then he's back as Anakin. And then, of course, when they're getting kicked out of the memories and back into the world between worlds as Anakin makes that transition back or the the, the world between worlds, not the war between worlds. That's a <laughs> whole other science fiction. Um, uh, he he has that flash as he makes the transition back out of the memories and into you know onto the 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 pathway that they're on up there um and and not only is that something that ahsoka has to wrestle with because you know he taught her and what how does that does that mean that she has some of that in in her but also it's something you know terrifying and something heartbreaking and a betrayal that she still has to reconcile because she cared very deeply about anakin and here he is, as if he'd never changed, you know, before her. But she knows what he became. She fought him. He almost killed her. And so she's got to figure out how to deal with, deal with all of that. And so to get those those flashes of Vader over Anakin really kind of gives us. I feel like that's, that's definitely part of what we're seeing in her mind. And it's it's part of the turmoil that's spinning around her as she's wrestling with, with all of these different things. Um, and it it was, it was done spectacularly and it was, it surprised all of us when we were sitting there watching it, uh, for the first time. And it was just well done and perfectly executed. Um, but, I those moments, the the Vader flashes, the flashes there were, were just absolutely spectacular. And some of my my favorite moments uh from the whole memory uh sequence that we get, the whole training sequence that he does with her. So
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um so well I'll I'll I mean I'll I'll talk about what's for me then that stands out as well is is kind of the the end of their little vision sequence, which is the siege of Mandalore. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, man, it's so good. <laughs> yes. Like you kind of said, you know, we get, we got hints of this in the first flashback scene where she sees Anakin marching into the, into the breach and gets those flashes of him as Vader as well. Mm-hmm. So much of this is about Ahsoka trying to, to reconcile Whatever happened, you know, between Anakin and Vader. And and I I will say I want to I don't like to shy away from the things that where I think this series got things wrong. And uh, I don't know if it should have been necessarily in this series or maybe Book of Boba Fett where they chose to have the encounter between Ahsoka and Luke. They're needed. You sent me this really great post on Instagram, Jason, of somebody who made a cartoon print of this of Mm -hmm. Luke telling Ahsoka about you know, the redemption of, of, of Anakin. This, these are the things that honestly we need to be seeing these things on screen, you know, uh, stop wasting time trying to be so damn original. (laughs) This is the one thing that drives me nuts is these creators get in their own way all the time by trying to be smarter than the material. Um, that really drives me a little crazy. All that to say, you know, this is, we're seeing some disjointed storytelling in star Wars Disney right now. You know, it, it, it needs to be tighter. It needs to be clear. Um, and hopefully, you know, they're, they're making a lot of moves behind the scenes, to, in my opinion, to try to correct some of this, uh, some of these, this messiness. Um, but that said, it's unclear what Ahsoka knows about Anakin. I mean, clearly in book of Boba Fett, we know that she knows who Luke is. She knows that he's Anakin's son. She doesn't seem to have an issue with the fact that he's choosing to, you know, rebuild the Jedi Order. We don't have any context for any of this because, once again, we're not telling the stories that, frankly, we we deserve to be told. Um, now, I don't mean to be that pretentious fan who's like, oh, I, as a fan, I deserve to have this. No, no, no. Of course not. Tell the stories you want. But when you when you make gaping holes like this, people are going to get frustrated. Um, so that said, what does Ahsoka <laughs> know? We don't know. I mean, this, this particular flashback seems to s- say to us, though, she still has had a,
0: she's still trying to reconcile what's going on. Um, well, I mean, even if she knows that Anna can turn back to the light, you know, it's one thing to know, but it's another mm. thing to experience because Good she point. was, she was there when he fell and then she had to fight him as Darth Vader. Uh, And it's, it's a, it's a betrayal. It's not only, it's not only just a, you know, a tragedy for her, but it is a personal betrayal um, that she still has to heal from. Yeah. So, you know, I believe she knows. uh, It's just, she hasn't worked through it yet. She hasn't made that. the, The pieces haven't connected fully for her in her soul. Mm. That they have in her mind, not her soul.
1: That's a really, that's a great point, Jason, is even if she's heard the story from Luke, she has yet to experience it herself. Um, Mm -hmm. And that is a very, very important um, uh, uh, nuance. Um, So all that to say, this kind of this final lesson is she is, you know, she what she's afraid of is that. The legacy she has inherited as Anakin's Padawan and being trained as a Jedi in the midst of Clone Wars is that she's nothing more than a warrior. That she the only thing she has to pass on to a future Padawan is this legacy of warriorship. And, you know, um, and, and, you know, I think. That that line that uh, Balin says to Ahsoka at the end, you know when they're dueling in Part Four you know your legacy like your master's is one of death and destruction I think that's what mm-hmm. Ahsoka is very afraid of and Anakin I love how Anakin says but you're more than that because I'm more than that and I love that because I think this is in fact. <laughs> You know, this is resurrected Anakin. This is this is a different kind of Force Ghost Anakin. He is uh-huh. the one who I've seen this floating around ever since the episode came out. That Anakin is the one responsible for pulling Ahsoka into the world between worlds. She was in fact kicked into that ocean and was dying, and Anakin saves yeah. her. Um, you know, uh, my, agreed. My my friend Ben put it perfectly, like tying it to the attack of the clones. He has become. Powerful enough to save people from death. Um,
0: and, you know. Oh, my gosh.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good job, Ben. Um, and, you know, I think that's really what's going on here is Anakin. Is trying to show to Ahsoka that she is so much more than just the lesson she law- She she was taught just like he was. Um, mm-hmm. And she still struggles to believe it. So then he becomes what she thinks all that he ever was, was this evil person, right? He ignites the blade again. It's a red blade. His eyes are sithy, and he attacks her. And it's in that fight where she's finally kind of able to overpower him, but she chooses to live and throws that lightsaber away, right? That's that's Luke in Return of the Jedi. That is this choosing of throwing away throwing away this weapon and and kind of entering into what it really means to be a jedi. Um and and Ahsoka's final or excuse me Anakin's final line to her is there's still hope for you yet. Um you know I think she's she has learned to make peace with the fact that Anakin was so much more than
0: Darth Vader. Yes. Yeah. And and because she has made peace with that fact, she can also make peace with the fact that she is more than what the legacy says about her, than what, mm. you know, she's more than just a Jedi. She's more than just a warrior. She's more than just Anakin's protege. You know, she's she's more than all of this, but it's up to her to make the decision to be that and and one of the things when they come out of the vision back into the world between worlds as he tells her as they're as they're dueling he says you lack conviction and at the end she she's found that conviction i think mm. and that's part of what you know enables him to just let her go and say there's hope for you yet and releases her back into the watery depths of the ocean there. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to cheat here just a tiny bit and just interject across all of these that I do want to note just how fun it was to
0: watch them duel. <laughs> yes. 100%. Um, absolutely. I, mean, I, it, it, yeah. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want to pull this out as like a separate moment, but just, I'd be remiss to not recognize that the, the choreography of their duel is incredible. Uh, it, it has such strong prequel vibes. And, uh, you know, worth noting that Anakin, of course, does his famous little spin move, you know, kind of the behind the back yep. spin move. He uh, he does it the first time in the droid factory on Geonosis and Attack of the Clones does it obviously during his duel with Obi-Wan and Revenge of the Sith. Get it again here. Uh, I think he also does it in the uh, when he's doing the practice duel with Obi
0: Wan in the uh, Kenobi series. Um, I think so. Yeah, uh, was, but also just it was one of the big moves. It was one of the big moves they showed off when they were talking about how they did motion capture for the video game too. Oh right, uh, the yeah, Revenge yeah, yeah, of the Sith yeah. video game. That's right. So yeah, <laughs>
1: um, but also I think it's I, I want to note that just the way Anakin fights it shows he has tremendous power. Like there's so many times where he strikes and just pushes Ahsoka back with like one blow. You know, there's man. Anakin is just so powerful in the world between worlds. Um, And I think this is a duel. He's not, he's not really fighting to kill her, but uh, he's really forcing her to, to contend with the things she doesn't want to contend with.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, just to, to piggyback off of what you're saying um, to hit the other side. I love the choreography and they've they've done this very well with all of Ahsoka's appearances in live action, Mm -hmm. but the choreography um, that they give her is very much uh, in line with, with a lot of the stuff that we see in the clone Wars animated series or in rebels and things like that. It's, it's true to form. Um, Obviously you can't get some of the more extreme things uh, that they do in animation in live action. But they get you about as close as you can get in some of these cases. Um and uh what what's her name? Ariana Green Greenblatt? Yeah. Was that her name? Yep. yep. Yeah. Uh also spectacular uh fight choreography. Um, you know, with when, when she was fighting the Mandalorians uh on the oh, season yeah. of Mandalore stuff and and her the first part of that duel uh with Anakin. So uh seamless choreography between her and Rosario Dawson for Ahsoka. Uh, spectacular. Yeah.
1: I loved that um, behind the scenes clip Ariana shared on her social media that obviously blew up everywhere of her doing, you know, practicing the duel with Hayden.
0: Um, and it was, gosh, it was so incredible. Yeah. Such, such good stuff. Uh, so if you haven't seen that, go check it out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, but I- um. What's the next thing you have? Yeah, you've I, got two more for this episode, no, right? No, I just have one left. Oh, okay. Um, it, w- would it be uh, communicating with the pergale? It sure would be. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's, my, that's my last moment here, too. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. Um, walking away from this episode, when we watched it the first time, um we, we ended up, you know, we, we had all this, this training stuff with the World Between Worlds with Anakin and Ahsoka back together, going through the Clone Wars. We're riding high. I expected the episode to end with Ahsoka staring up at the Pergil. Mm. And then to come back and then we would, we would launch off into, you know, the stars the following episode. Like the way that the music was rising and the, the far, you know, the, the extended shot and everything. I was like, and credits, you know, I was like, this is what I was expecting. No. Um, But it was at that point. I was like, there's nothing can, there's nothing in this episode that can be better than what we've already gotten. And then we got the pergill. And I don't know what it is about this, this, this scene, this whole sequence, but there is just a magic and a wonder um, as she's standing out there on the wing of her ship, communicating with this humongous Pergil uh, through the force. And the, you know, all of it combined the, the you know, on the edge of her seat excitement and uh, anticipation from Hera watching it uh, to Captain Tava trying to distract the New Republic fleet above the planet to, you know, kill time, all of it. I don't know what it was, but there was just something that drew me into this scene, this scene, this whole sequence, as um, Ahsoka is able to communicate and do, you know, what we've seen Ezra do a lot in Rebels is, that's one of his fortes is communicating with animals, but just the magic of it all. And just maybe, and maybe it's partly because I just love whales in general. <laughs> um, so, but just the, the wonder and the, the magic of, of all of this as they communicate what they want and they just go take the risk and I love the moment as the ship settles into the, the Pergil's mouth and Hu Yang asks Ahsoka uh, so how do you know that they know where Sabine went oh I don't know I have no idea you, what? <laughs> None whatsoever. And she's grinning from ear to ear as she says it. Like, this is exciting. Like, she's found her her sense of, of of joy again. Like, she's you can see she is at peace after everything that she's went through. Obviously, there's still more to do. But found some semblance of peace and some healing. And you can see it just exuding out of her as she's thrilled about this Wondrous moment that she's getting to to walk in and uh, travel to another galaxy in a pergil, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love it. It it might be my it depending on my mood. This scene uh, might be my favorite scene from this episode. Ooh, wow! Um, which is strange. Uh, considering how much I love all the the Hayden uh, the the Anakin Ahsoka stuff, um, but depending on on the day, sometimes this scene is my favorite in this episode.
1: Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I love it because for the very thing you said, you know when when a, when Hui Yang says like, "How do you know that they know where to go?" Uh, no idea. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's 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 an Ahsoka who I mean, there's. This entire episode is about Ahsoka going through a rebirth, right? I mean, when -hmm. she comes back to, it's kind of this baptismal scene of her in the water, being drawn out of the water. And then she's Ahsoka the White moving forward, right? She's in the Mm -hmm. white robes when she's communing with the Pergil. I think what it symbolizes in that moment is, is she's really just throwing her faith and her trust back into the force. That she doesn't know where things are going to go, but she's just going to trust it, and she's going to trust that it's the right way to go. Um, I think it's it's an imp- incredible
0: step forward for Ahsoka, um, and yeah, especially. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but especially because she's felt like she's had to have so much control over everything else going on. Uh, like she's had to try and make sure everything has to happen the way it should happen. She's, you know, she's not just trusting that things will happen. She's trying to make sure that they happen. Like with, uh, you know, when Sabine comes and uh, wants to take the map back to her place. And so like, no, it stays here. Uh, you know, and, and all that stuff, but yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to. Interrupt. No, I actually appreciate that
1: little, that, that, that side point, Jason, cause it is true. I mean, so much of this beforehand is her being trying, has her been trying to control the outcome of everything. And now mm-hmm. here it is, her just kind of it's throwing herself into the wind. This is, the, I'm one with the Force, the Force is with me, walking to a master yes. switch. if you are it in way. Um, you know, this is, <laughs> yes. this is Ahsoka throwing her faith out there, just believing that, I mean, whatever, she communes with them, right? She, she's obviously mm-hmm. imparted to this, this Pergil that she's looking for someone, and the Pergil seems to probably communicate back, I'll take you. Right, like I'm sure it's not all as clear and 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 concise as that, but Ahsoka has obviously communed with this with this great creature. A sense of longing to find something, and it kind of responds, "I'll take you," right? And she just Mm. trusts it. I mean, it's it's her trusting the Living Force. Uh, This is very quiet of her. Yes, and uh, you know. And that's what she does. is Qui
0: Gon would one hundred percent do this. Hundred percent. One hundred percent do this. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> um,
1: and and that's what she does. Is you know, I mean, and then it's this very mythical and biblical analogy of her being you know swallowed by the whale, um, yes. going into the unknown, and trusting that she'll she'll land where she's supposed to. And I love the way the music builds. This is the music that plays during this scene. It's this. It's the music that we first heard when Sabine was standing on her balcony and she's charted the, the, the path to paridia. I'm calling this the journey theme. I don't know if it has a more specific theme or not, but it's this it's this sense of moving forward. Um, and it's it's a it's a very beautiful piece that's full of, of kind of wonder and awe and that's what we get as the are kind of flying through the rebel fleet. You see the faces, you know, Filoni is brilliant in showing us the faces of so many of the characters. You know, first, the first one we get it from, of course, is the child, Jason. He's like, you know, he's like, he's she's going to talk to that. Wow. Like, he's so filled with wonder. Yeah. And then as the pergular flying off into this, into space, you get the faces of all the X-Wing pilots kind of just lighting up and smiling. And Teva's the last one. He's just grinning from ear to ear. There's this sense of wonder that something, like, something majestic is happening. Something wonderful is about to take place. And as the music builds, Hera, you know, it's, it's a very Empire Strikes Back ending in the sense of Ahsoka saying, you know, I'm gonna find them, I promise. Mm -hmm. And Hera's response is may the force be with you. And it's just this beautiful kind of closing moment in the the episode of Ahsoka has found her faith again, and that faith has a ripple effect. And I love it.
0: Oh, it's so beautiful, you know. Yeah. And I love that. I love that because it is it is such a, a wondrous, mad, you know, magical kind of thing that's happening. And it's something that nobody expects. And, you know, even when Teva explains the plan for real, he's like, you're not going to believe me. Um, You know, uh, but it it is great because, you know, Ahsoka is taken up in it. She's grinning from ear to ear. Jason is just in awe. Uh, You know, Hera is, is busting with pride and hope uh, at what Ahsoka is doing and what this could mean for Sabine and, and Ezra. Uh, Teva and the X-Wing pilots are just like this is a once in a lifetime thing I'll never see this again. The you know New Republic fleet commanders are just like what on earth is this? This is uh a bit scary but also amazing uh, as the the whales just come over the bridge and everything like that. It it everyone involved is just struck by it. And it's wonderful. And and like you said the music, the music Carries this scene so well, and it, it it sort of takes us. It 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 starts out low, and it buoys us up higher and higher and higher and higher into the heavens until we're finally flying through them uh, on our way to another galaxy. So it's just so spectacular, mm. um, and and I think you know all of that included is part of why this scene is probably my favorite scene of this episode, which is I know it that's hard to say because there's so much good stuff in this episode uh this top tier episode of ahsoka, but I think this is my favorite scene in the episode
1: that's valid <laughs> <laughs> um well let's move into uh part six far far away uh i I have um, just, I mean, I have, I could easily come up with more than two things, but trying to keep, keep my list to six things between the two episodes. Uh, I've just got two. So um, I know you have three. So where do you, where do you want to start?
0: Um, I'm going to start uh, right away in mm. this episode. And, I had a feeling uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the, it's the first thing uh, we have the conversation between Ahsoka and Hu Yang um, but one of the, the main things I love about this episode, and you're going to see it in two of my moments, is the fact that it's stories coming to life. And um, this whole experience is causing Ahsoka to remember, you know, stories that Hu Yang used to teach them. You know, the Origins of the Galaxies Part 1, 2, and 3. One being the best. Um and they they have this conversation about Sabine, but that's not what I love about this scene. It's a good conversation, uh, but what I love about the scene is that they finally come back to the end of it, and the Soka's like, you know what? Tell me one of those stories after all. And we get the immortal words from Hu Yang a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And I... You could not wipe the grin off my face <laughs> uh, if you tried, Um uh, When I saw that for the first time, there there was something incredibly special to me about having those those words said in in the story itself. Um, I don't know what what it is. Uh, It's it's probably something you know that Star Wars is a modern myth, and the fact that this modern myth is telling a myth in and of itself, and it it has this slightly meta moment uh where where it is able to to take the moment to say the words a long time ago in a galaxy far far away um and have it it mean something specific to the story but also be a wonderful moment for all of us who have spent so much time in this galaxy far far away so much time and energy and and uh, emotional uh input to to this story um it was uh it was just really special and something i absolutely loved uh having there so um yeah a long time ago in a galaxy far far away it was really special for me for some reason
1: i think there's something really just yeah i mean it, it's it's this magical st- storytelling point um and even just the the colors that we get at the opening of the scene uh, yeah. there's just very kind of rainbow neon colors as they're traveling through interspe- interstellar hyperspace. Yes. Um, I think I think what to me is so heart heartwarming about this this scene, even though we don't hear Hu Yang's story, is you know, picking up from where we just left off, this is Ahsoka kind of throwing herself into the unknown, unsure of where she's going. So she's just asking for a comfort story along the way. Mm-hmm. That's how I kind of interpret it. Um, you know, uh, as someone who who watches the same movies and same shows over and over again for the sake of comfort, I get that. Like Ahsoka is, yes. I think it kind of shows that she is a little bit nervous. Not not that she d- isn't believing, not that she's doubting what she's chosen to do, but there is a sense of anxiety and, and maybe a little bit of trepidation. So she's asking for you know, a fairy tale. She's asking for a lullaby, if you will. Um, and I think that's really beautiful.
0: Yeah, something to inspire, something to comfort. And yeah. uh, Hu Yang's just full of all sorts of information and a few stories.
1: Absolutely. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I suspect you may have a moment before even my first moment I want to mention. So what is your next moment?
0: My next moment uh, is... Conversation between Balin and Shin. So is mine. Um, yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. I'll let you go ahead and yeah, yeah, kick yeah. this one off. Uh,
1: you know, I, goodness gracious. Um, and it's it's shortly after they've arrived on Peridia. They've handed over Sabine. They're waiting on Thrawn. But it's the first time we really get a glimpse into what Balin is after, and uh-huh. he, what he's you know he's sharing with Shin how he saw his whole world fall apart. Um. Quick question for you, Jason. Do you think Balin was at the temple when it was destroyed?
0: I think so. I I think mm, part of me says yes because he seems to have such a, a strong knowledge or sense of what Anakin became. Hmm. Um hmm. But and that I think is is what makes me want to say yes that he was at the temple. There's also part of me that thinks that you know he was he he was either at the temple or he was somewhere on assignment very far away on his own uh and so that he didn't have clones uh when order 66 happened and he spent the next you know several years deducing and figuring out what it was that happened so it's one or the other but i'm leaning towards yes he was at the temple
1: hmm. yeah yeah i mean I, I like that line of his you know i mean he just says you know i watched every th- i watched the temple burn that 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 doesn't necessarily have yeah. to mean he literally watched it, but um, I think the point that you made, Jason, that is starting to sway me in a particular way, though, is the fact that he tells Ahsoka in that in the fourth episode that he knew what Anakin became. You know, right. it's pretty clear from canon that it was always kept quiet that Darth Vader was Anakin Skywalker. Nobody knew that mm-hmm. at large. The only people that knew that <laughs> was Obi Wan, Bale, Yoda. That's pretty much it. Um, so the fact that Balin knows that could very well imply that he somehow survived the temple. Hey, maybe he hooked up with Keller back. Beck. Who knows? We would love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I think what, what Balin is revealing to Shin in this moment, though, is finally what's kind of driving him. And he, he senses something here on Peridia that will help break the cycle. Uh, this is very Last Jedi Luke in a lot of ways, right? Luke goes to octo and and steps away from everything with the hopes that that will stop this cycle of Jedi and Sith and their incessant wars. Um, Balin senses, you know, oh, gee, the fall of the Jedi, the rise of the Empire. It's all this cycle that is continuing to perpetuate itself. I'm here to find the beginning to stop that madness. And, you know... Shin gets very excited. She's like, Well, isn't this our window in, right? With Thrawn's return and allying with him, we'll finally be able to have our power. My God, it is such just quick side note again, what a what a sad, sad thing to have lost Ray Stevenson. And not just because he's great in Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, um, but my God, is he great in star Wars? Um, Yes. The way he just acts the the chemistry between him and Ivana Sanko or however you say her last name um, is just incredible. And the way he just kind of shakes his head when she says, you know, this is our chance for power. That sort of power is fleeting. What I seek Mm -hmm. is something more. And it's so freaking good. He's here. Mm To try to undo. I mean, again, this is why he thinks he's the hero. It's the same things he was telling Ahsoka in episode four. You know, I'm, I'm here to fix the things that your master failed to do um, and that the Jedi Order failed to do. He's really hoping to reshape the galaxy and break it out of this cycle. Um, it really he, makes
0: Balin a noble character. He's hoping to do what the Chosen One was supposed to do, mm-hmm. is bring balance. He's, you know, it, uh, probably doing it, you know, a bit the wrong way, or he, it's things are, are a little twisted. Um, but his mind is the chosen one failed, but the job still needs to be done. So I, and I'm the only one who sees that. So I need to do it. Right.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, so I mean I just I love this because it's it's finally a a window into what Balin's after and and Shin is after something too. She's after some sense of power. Um mm-hmm. but, but Balin wants her to be with him and, and and become something more than just that. Um so yeah, that I love that little moment between the two of them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and there's some really great stuff in all of that. But the the other aspect to this scene that makes me really, really enjoy it and make it, makes it one of my favorite scenes in this episode uh, is the fact that, you know, he says we are in a land of dreams and madness. Things that, you know, these are all stories. These are fairy tales that we're walking in. And if if we are in a land of fairy tales, then there is a tale that he's not telling us yet. That he now has tangible hope is out there. And that tale is what he's ultimately seeking. You know, he's been on this quest with probably no real sense of whether or not it's actually achievable. If it even exists the way he thinks it does. And now he's here and he's walking in a fairy tale and uh, he, he basically, you know, says that you know what is it uh shin asks if if the beginning that he's looking for is here on Paridia, and he ends the the this the conversation by saying you know if the stories are true and he says that with a smile because they are in this land of of dreams and madness this land where stories are actually you know where fairy tales are are real so um, and that's part of why I really like this episode is that it, it deals a lot with with stories. And, you know, obviously I'm huge into stories, you know, that that's, that's a, an important thing. I think that, um, you know, we as, as human beings do is we tell stories and uh, having this episode really kind of be about these stories and belief in, in the fantastic stories uh, to some extent and finding out that, Stories that we thought were legends are actually real. And, you know, it's all just a really, really fun aspect of this episode to me. And and we're getting it from, you know, our heroes, Ahsoka, Hu Yang, you know, the others, and also the, the antagonists. I'm not going to call them villains because mm-hmm. um, they don't quite fit that. But they are our antagonists, you know, Balin and Shin. Um, our villains are Thrawn and... The Night Sisters, um, all of them. So, but yeah, the uh, that whole stories aspect and the fact that it's traveling through so many of of the characters here in this episode is something I really love about uh, about Far Far Away Part mm-hmm. Six. So, yeah.
1: Um. Well, what's your what's your final moment from this episode you wanted to talk about?
0: Uh, it's it's a. One of the most lighthearted moments that I think we've probably talked about in the entire series, and, and that's um, meeting the Noti. That's mine, so. too. <laughs> I, I figured you would want to talk about this. We, we both, after this episode came out, we were both texting back and forth about the Noti, yeah. um, our little hermit crab. They're spa- yeah, they're, they're space
1: hermit crabs. I love it. I, I had several hermit crabs as a kid growing up.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's so awesome. Um, uh, I love these guys. They're just so adorable. Uh and I, I don't know why the idea of a space hermit crab um in like pseudo Victorian clothing wasn't something I expected to see in Star Wars. Uh but it, it is and it fits perfectly and I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> they they're just they fit so well and I don't know why I didn't expect to see something like this sooner so (laughs) but yeah go ahead go go for it
1: uh no i i think what what i appreciate so much about the the Nodi is you know this is this is like kind of classic george lucas star wars you know giving us a really adorable indigenous uh, uh community that um you know, things have gotten very heavy in this series. So to get something kind of lighthearted and fun and really cute. I mean, there's such a cutesy factor to Star Wars, you know, dating back to mm-hmm. the Ewoks. Uh, yeah. You know, of course, we got it with the uh, we got it the most recently with the Porg, um, obviously Grogu. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. there's lots of cute stuff in Star Wars and the Nodi continue that tradition. But what I love is. It's kind of a neat counterpoint. You know, Ahsoka has kind of trusted herself to the Pergil, to helping her find her way forward. And now you have Sabine, who's a bit of a headstrong character, trusting these kind of this this adorable little hermit crab to help her find who she's looking for, to help complete Mm -hmm. her journey. Um, And and I am going to group this with her, of course, then ending the episode by finding Ezra. But the Nodi are just, you know, when we kind of come into their community, it's very clear, you know, Ezra's going to point out that, you know, they don't stay in any one place for too long. They're they're very much a, you know, uh, um, a nomadic Nomadic. people. Thank you. Uh, You know, so I love when Star Wars does this. I love when Star Wars introduces us to a culture and just gives us a little bit about them. Um, this is something that is completely lacking in the entire sequel trilogy, except for maybe a tiny bit in Rise of Skywalker with the uh, Aki, Aki. Um, Yeah, you know, that's, that's love
0: that sequence so much. Yeah, the, it's, it's the a, festival, gl- the ancestors. a
1: glaring absence of the sequel trilogy is the lack of any sort of indigenous culture. Um, and uh, so I love that, you know, just the Nodi give us a little bit of that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're just they're cute. They're fun. And it's again, it's it's a similar story beat to how the fifth episode ended for Ahsoka. She's trusting herself to something beyond herself. Sabine is going to trust this little, you know. I mean, she obviously has a far clearer sense that they know what they're talking about because, you know, the Nodi gets all excited when it sees her pauldron with the the Alliance symbol. He's wearing a little, you know, uh, Phoenix Rebel star on his chest, um, and he takes her the rest of the way. And mm-hmm. I love that. I love the moment of her and Ezra finding like her finding Ezra and the way they embrace it. This is, I mean, this is that human experience of you're looking for something, you're longing for something so deeply and then you find it. And there's just such a sense of relief and joy. And the way that Kiner, Kevin Kiner just beautifully gives us a statement of the Ezra theme as they embrace. It's just so freaking good. I love it. It's, it's her faithfulness and her persistence to this journey and finding its completion. Um, it's just so good.
0: Yeah. And, and I think one of the reasons why I like the Nodi so much, especially the, the, the scene where uh, Sabine meets them, you know, cause there's, there's obviously the one that we really get to, to start meeting and then, you know, several more pop up and they have this little conversation, but it sort of takes the, um, the 3PO bedtime story hmm. in, Return of the Jedi and just kind of turns it 90 degrees a little bit. Um, You know, where, where there C-3PO is telling the Ewoks the story of the rebels in order to sort of inspire them and uh, the Ewoks uh, are wanting to join and become part of that story. But it takes that a little bit and it gives us the idea that Ezra has had nothing better to do than probably tell them his story for years. And so they feel like they have some sort of place in that story. And all of a sudden, someone from outside walks in and has a bit of that with them, you know, the symbol. And so now mm. it's like, oh, now we get to bring you into this story again or connect you back to the story. Um, and and that kind of that aspect of it was something I really enjoyed, um, you know, because it does take the the ewalks. You know, story time, bedtime story, and just kind of turns its head just a little bit uh in a ways, which I, I thought was a nice touch.
1: I love that. Yeah. Oh, always, always game for a, a connection to the Ewok bedtime story.
0: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <So> obviously, <good. laughs> it's one of the it's the best bedtime story ever. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I do want to say, you know, while while it didn't end up in my favorite scenes, I, I did love just the introduction of Thrawn. And I felt like he was captured perfectly uh, between, you know, his appearance and rebels and appearance here. So uh, yeah, just absolutely flawless.
1: I, uh, yeah, I, I honestly thought that would be a point you made, which is why I I felt comfortable leaving it out. Um, But yeah, (laughs) like, like to hit on it quick. Yes. I mean, the, the music that we get, the, the troops, you know, chanting his name Thrawn as he's marching in the midst of them. And, I think that's just so poignant that these are uh, these are his these are his fanatic followers. Right. You know, this is even thinking of, you know, if you want to compare this to the scene of the Emperor's arrival in the Death Star, you know, in Return of the Jedi, this is this is a garrison of troops loyal to him, but loyal out of fear, whereas it seems like with Thrawn, there is a sense of allegiance. They really believe in Thrawn. You know the mm-hmm. emperor. The emperor has allegiance because everyone's afraid of him. But these troops are are, are aligned to Thron because they believe in him. Uh, that's that's a far scarier allegiance, in yeah. my opinion. He is
0: he has kept them alive all these years, and so they are devoted to him. Yeah, because of it. Yeah, and which which, which gives us a, a glimpse into what an empire under Thron. How terrifying that could be should he return, right? Um, so, yeah, yeah. Which it's it's so good. It's really really good. Yeah, and
1: um, and and seeing the Chimera with the, with its incredible uh, artwork, but you know the ship's also all banged up. Um, you know, yeah. As someone who really loved the uh, the Ascendancy trilogy by Timothy Zahn, which is kind of Thrawn's backstory. Um, and learning where that symbol comes from. It's, I mean, obviously we saw it in rebels, but seeing it again in live action is just so freaking good. It's so cool.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it, I don't know why it took me this long, but it took me until the moment they start flying the hyperspace ring down into the atmosphere to realize that that was for the chimera. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. It took, I, for whatever reason, I, I didn't catch on. I, I don't know if anybody else caught on earlier than that, but the giant hyperspace ring they built was for the Star Destroyer. Um, and it took me until they were flying it down into the atmosphere the first time in this episode, because I think that happens in this episode. I'm yeah. not mixing that up. I think, I think you're right. Um, but it took me until that moment before I was like, oh, that's how they're getting him back. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. But we're going to have more to talk about that next episode yeah. as uh, we get into the final two episodes of Ahsoka season one, which it is confirmed season two is in the works, which we already kind of figured. But it's nice to have the confirmation that they're already planning it out and getting the story ready to go for all, all that. For sure. Um, you know, so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, like Jason said, you know, next week we'll, we'll kind of wrap up our, our kind of favorite moments of Ahsoka series, uh, looking at the last two episodes. But as always, you know, we invite you if, you know, there are particular moments or scenes in parts five or six that stood out to you that we per- may have particularly missed. Um, we'd love to hear what some of your favorites are.
0: Absolutely. And if people want to weigh in and give us those moments or comment on any of ours, uh, where can people get in touch with us, Carl?
1: Yeah, well, our our mainstay these days is over on Instagram. You can follow us at Lair. We're also on Twitter, at WampasLair, or you can always shoot us an email at WampasLairPodcast at gmail.com. Excellent. Anything else before we close out this episode? What was once just a frightening dream is now a
0: frightening reality. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much for that ominous note, Thrawn, and we will see you all Uh, Next time, as we wrap up this episode of the Wampus Lair podcast, has been episode number 541, Ahsoka, parts 5 and 6. For Carl, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampus Lair.